not just about yourself, but it's about Him who created you, who gave His Son for you, who gave His life on the cross for you. And Jesus even said it Himself, unless we deny ourselves, take up the cross and follow Him, we can't even be His disciple. You'll never be able to find the will of God in your life. So you've got to know you're saved. And friends, once you get saved, God begins to show you the knowledge of the truth. And you know what? God wants all of us not just to be saved and then live like everybody else. When you get saved, something happens called being born again. (laughs) He puts life into us. You were spiritually dead at one moment in your trespasses and sins. But when he quickened you, the Bible says, he made you alive in Christ Jesus. And friends, when that life is in you, now you have potential to influence more than you ever have. Your life in the days that you have from that day forth has more ability to impact than any of us can imagine. Because God's doing it through us. It's Him in us. So a saved person, God wants every one of us to live this way. He wants us to be spirit-filled. He wants us to be under the influence of Him. Guys, listen to what He says in the verse right below that. And and, and this is kind of funny because they had this juice they was drinking in there a while ago somebody made. And it it smelled like it might have had some of this in it. (laughs) I didn't drink none. Amen. (laughs) I'm a Baptist and I'm playing. But all kidding aside... I was cracking up because, you know what? When people see us, if we're going to influence somebody else, we've got to be under the right influence. Amen? And listen to what Paul says. He's not telling us here that not to drink. What he is telling us, though, is to be under the influence of the Spirit. And he's using drinking as an example because there's no better example of what a drunk looks like. And you can tell a drunk when you see a drunk. Amen? Well, you ought to be able to see a Christian and know he's a Christian when you see him because of the influence in his life. Listen to what Paul says right there, though, in verse 18. Do not be drunk with wine, and which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Why is that? If you ever run across somebody who's filled with a belly full of beer and a bottle of hard liquor is in his he's going to be recognizable. They even call it, if you drive that way, what do they call it? DUI, driving under the influence. Ain't nothing more irritating than being sober and being around a drunk. My wife, who I have been married to tonight for 29 years, my anniversary, six years in, said, I have all of this I want. And I come home one day and she said, you got to make a choice. When are you going to grow up? When are you going to quit all this? I said, what do you mean? I didn't grow, I didn't marry for this. I'm ready. To, when are you going to change? I said, I'm not planning on changing. <laughs> Come on one day, and she changed. She moved. <laughs> <laughs> and then we went through a divorce. We were separated for about six months. See, our first anniversary was June the 9th. You thought I forgot that, huh? We had about a six-month in between. God healed us, saved us, put us back together. And marriage again. My wife's so blessed she got to marry me twice. Amen. <laughs> I got to marry her twice. But with six months out in between, you add them two together. We've been together 29 years. And you know what? I asked her one day. I said, golly, now do we have to have two anniversaries? You know what she said? No way. She said, I don't want nothing to do with that first one. She said, that was before Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something, marriage without Jesus and marriage with Jesus, oh, what a difference in influence he makes, amen? There's no comparison to a marriage that is built upon Christ, that Christ has lordship, and he is the head of the marriage, the home, and the family. But friends, I want to tell you something, a person who's under the influence, who's spirit-filled, when you're around him in church, he sticks out. 
And if you're around him at work, he sticks out. A spirit-filled person is as easy to see as a drunk person. Amen? And friends, God wants us to be spirit-filled because if we're spirit-filled, we're going to have influence. We're going to make an impact. I'm going to tell you, friends, if the fruit of the Spirit is actively being manifested in your life, people are going to be drawn to you. They're going to want to be around you. And God's going to use you. Friends, listen, we cannot influence people for Christ in the power of the flesh. We've got to be spirit-filled. So how do we become spirit-filled? Well, it's a word we don't really like to think about much anymore. But I promise you this. God wants every one of us in this room to not only be saved, to not only be spirit-filled. He wants everybody in this room to be sanctified. You ever thought about what that word means? If you look it up, it literally means to be declared holy, to be set apart for God. To be set apart for his purpose. And guys, I want you to think about this. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 and 5, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that is, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to possess his own vessel, that's his body, in sanctification and honor. Guys, God's will is for us to be sanctified, to learn how to possess, to be able to control this body, so that... We're not under the control of the flesh. We're under the control of the Spirit. That's what he's saying. That each of you know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. Not as in lustful passion like the Gentiles who do not know God. See, people who do not know God, they're under the control of the flesh. Friends, you've got to look at yourself though and realize that we're sanctified. You see, sanctification is kind of two parts. We're sanctified, we're sanctified at the moment we're saved because Jesus purchases us. He redeemed us. We're sanctified. We're set apart. We're declared holy in Christ. Amen? You know what? When God looks at us, we're His holy brethren. We're the saints of God. We're the church. But guys, listen, that's positional holiness that's in Christ. And positionally, in Christ, what He did for us, His blood purchased us, it cleansed us, we're sanctified. But guess what? We're to grow in sanctification, in practical sanctification. And every day, you got to remind yourself that I'm saved. I'm filled with the Spirit. And I need to be sanctified. My life needs to be set apart for God. Friends, listen. When you get to the place where you realize that I'm willing to let my life be set apart. To be sanctified for God. That means consecrated. Your life is going to begin to have impact. Amen. Because it's impossible to live for yourself and live for God at the same time. And friends, I don't know if you figured it out yet. It's hard for us to surrender, to submit, to give in to God. But if you ever get to the place, the best day next to getting saved of your life is the day you realize giving my life to Jesus, to let him have control, to use me how he wants is the next best thing. Because that's when your salvation becomes real and that's when your life begins to make an impact. You see, we all have to be sanctified and set apart. Brother Dennis, Brother Dennis is a man whose life has been set apart. And he surrendered. He submitted to what God had planned for his life. But guess what? You don't have to be Pastor Dennis. You don't have to be Brother Marvin. God has a plan for each and every person in this room. His plan is to save you. To fill you with his spirit. And to, his, he has already sanctified you. But to help you grow in sanctification. To where you have control. He has control of your life. But guys listen. The last one I want to show you. And the Bible speaks about this over and over and over. But it's God's will for us to be submitted to him. And if there's one thing America doesn't like anymore, it's to be submitted to anything. 
If you look in this Bible right here, it talks about submission right here where we're looking at. Look at what it says right below this where it says, Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got to be submitted as a sanctified vessel to Jesus Christ and have control. Go to Him. Listen to what He says. If you don't think this is real, talk to your wife about this verse. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Paul just assumes that we're all submitted to the Lord. <laughs> and if you're submitted to the Lord, submit to your wife. Listen to what he says right below that. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let wives be to their own husbands in everything. Friends, listen. It's not just, don't lose this, what I'm trying to teach tonight on the fact, oh man, our wife's supposed to be submitted to us. No, we're supposed to be submitted to Christ. Because that's the most important part of all that we're looking at. Do you remember what James said? Submit to the Lord. Resist the devil and he will flee. Friends, you can resist the devil all you want. But if you're not submitting to the Lord first, your resistance is futile. Because that authority comes when you surrender to him. You know, submission to Jesus is not like we like to think. We sang that song, Surrender. And surrender all to Jesus, that's a wonderful thought. But you know what? I've been praying and thinking... Surrender is not really the same as submission. And I was praying, and I don't know about y'all, but God shows me crazy things, and I, I come up with these things, but God got me thinking about surrender. You know, when you surrender, you surrender really because you don't have a choice. When someone surrenders, they surrender because they know what? If they're going to surrender, it's over with. Think about it this way. If someone came up to you in the parking lot, put a gun to you and said, Give me every bit of your money in your wallet <laughs> or else. You're probably going to take out your wallet and say, here you go. And you're going to tell him, here it is. And you're going to give him all the money in your wallet. But that ain't how God works. You know how God will work? <laughs> He'll tell you, you know that last $100 bill you got in your wallet? <laughs> give it to brother and brother so-and-so over there. Because he lost his job last week. And I want you to give it to him. But you know what, God doesn't make you give it to him. God will never make you. Now, he can cause you to surrender, and sometimes he does. But if you want to have a life that's influential, when people see you submit to God willingly, not because you have to, but because you're so in love with him that you want to. Can you imagine the impact and the influence that that makes on people? But even think more, can you imagine what it does to God? And friends, listen, a life that makes influence, that has impact. The days of that life, that's the days that we have here, continue to leave a legacy that makes a difference when you're gone is a life that's been saved, that's been lived spirit-filled, that has been set apart for the purpose of God and who has submitted to Jesus. Now, we know that's true, amen? I can promise you, he wants every one of us to do that. You know, submission don't make sense, though, because... It kind of makes sense to help your brother who lost his job. And I can see why God wants me to give me my last hundred dollars. And there's been times when God has done that to some of us in this room, I promise you. But you know what? God doesn't always make sense when he tells you what he wants you to do. You know, Brother Dennis, we can say, boy, tonight, Brother Dennis, man, he preached in Las Vegas at the World Champion Rodeo. What an awesome thing. But before God asked him to submit to that, God asked him one day to have a Bible study at his house. Invite people in your house and have a Bible study. Really? Yeah. You know what? Many of us in this room could do that. 
Brother Dennis did that, and God said, you know what? I want you to start open range. And we know the story. We've heard it. Guys, you know what? We think for us to have influence and have impact, we got to do great and mighty things for God, and we do. But you know what I've come to find? It's not the big, big, great and mighty things that we do that leaves the biggest influence that makes the most impact. It's what we do with every day. It's the everyday decisions and choices that we make. The choices that leave our days numbered, either using them wisely or foolishly. The ones that we use with a heart of wisdom for God. And guys, the most wise thing you'll ever do is submit to God no matter whether it makes sense or not. And I got this friend that when I first got saved, we was at the church where we got saved. It was too far away. We got remarried. Diane moved in. She moved back. So we wanted to find a church close to home. Man, I was young. I didn't know nothing about how to let God lead. So you know how I found the biggest looking church that looked the best that was closest to my house. And we pulled in. It was called Holland Baptist Church. We whooped in there. They had Holland Baptist Academy. Boy, it was a high church. Amen. Now, can y'all see me in high church? Now, this was pre-cut my ponytail off. This was just got saved. Sanctification had just begun. Still smoking cigarettes. Amen. But saved like you ain't never seen. So we go in that church, man. We go in there. And we had been there. And them people wasn't nothing like us. Man, we were sitting every day. There was this one old boy in there that was a lot like me. His name was Daniel Allen. Old Daniel, man, he rode old Harley. It was like three Harleys he put together and made one. You couldn't even tell what it was. He worked at the sawmill. He was a mechanic for the maintenance shop. And he come in, he had these old black. I thought, I don't know if they were black or they used to be blue. But he had black jeans full of grease. He'd have old t-shirt on. Had long hair and he had this big, deep voice. And he'd sing in the choir and put on a robe. He'd get robed up. He looked so ridiculous. And he didn't fit in and I didn't fit in. We were like two fish out of water. And we kind of took to one another. And I got to liking him and he got to liking me. And they let him take his motorcycle they put him in the Christmas play in the big fancy gym and he did a donut and did a burnout and left a big black mark across there <laughs> that's why I liked him he could do anything but we went to this thing y'all remember when Promise Keeper started and we went up to um, to Washington D.C. where they was trying to get a million men we got on a this is when you first get saved you do this kind of stuff got on a Greyhound bus on a Friday afternoon at 5 drove all the way up there for Saturday, got off the Greyhound, went down to the grounds right there by Lincoln Memorial, looked at all those men, man, had an awesome time in the Lord, got back on the bus, drove back and got to church on Sunday morning, went to church. Woohoo, we was fired up. Well, man, while we was there, it was an unbelievable experience. One of the most spiritually just influential things of my life. And Daniel was crazy for the Lord. He's, he's going to be with the Lord now. But anyway, while we was there, we was trying to get back on the, the bus, where the bus was, and we had to get on these subway things. And the line was backed up because there was thousands of men. And so you thought everybody would be mad, but these men were singing. And they were singing like, this little light of mine. And we was just singing it over and over. Well, you know, we just got to thinking, this is normal. And then they was doing this thing. You might have heard somebody do this. I love Jesus. Yes, I do. I love Jesus. How about you? Then the other group would start. We tried to outdo it. Well, guess what? We did that till we got on the bus. We got on the bus. Man, we all finally just adrenaline ran off. The Holy Ghost left us. We went to sleep. When we woke up, we miles from Washington, D.C. We pulled over to eat at a Shoney's. Now, these people didn't know about the Washington, D.C. experience. So we get off the bus. Daniel's, I love Jesus. Yes, I do. People's looking at us. And you got to see Daniel. So we go into Shoney's and he's screaming, hollering. You know how they'll have the booth and they have the little divider wall and another booth right here? Daniel's sitting at the table. All of a sudden, he just jumps up, looks over the thing, and, I love Jesus. Yes, and the little lady like threw her food. Woo! 
oh, she screamed. She said, I love Jesus, I really do. And he was like, I promise, I promise. But you know, that's why I loved him. Well, he comes one day to work, and he told me something I'll never forget. Because he's like me, he wasn't the smartest person in the church. But I'm going to tell you what, though. He was sold out to Jesus, and he influenced people. He was impactful. I was drawn to him when I didn't even know about being spirit-filled. I didn't even know what the word sanctified meant. I didn't even know what submission was. He taught me, though. He come to work one day. He said, Marvin, man, how'd you end up at Bethany? We don't fit there. I mean, at um, Highland. I said, I just came there. I said, I'm glad you're there. So we was talking. We was out in the back where I worked, and there was hickory nuts all over the ground. And he said, you know, it's all about submission, son. Just submit to the Lord. If you'll just submit to Him, do whatever He tells you, He'll use you, Brother Marvin. He'll use your life. I hadn't even surrendered to preach yet. And we're standing out there, and He's telling me about submission. And He says, you know, with God, though, it don't make sense. You're just walking along, sister. And God says, pick up that hickory nut. And He said, you look at the hickory nut, and you're like, He said, if you say why, you've lost it. If you've got to know why to pick up the hickory nut, you'll never learn what picking up the hickory nut can do in the power of God. He said, you know what, though? You just say, okay, God, you pick up the hickory nut and your life changes. And it's never the same again. You know what? Really, if you want to be impactful, thank God that Brother Dennis got to go to Las Vegas. What an awesome event. And how influenced the, the open door he had. But I want to tell you something. God don't give you that kind of influence unless you're willing to do stuff like pick up hickory nuts. Do little things that nobody else knows about but you and God. And friends, what if you live your life every day just submitting to God, doing the little things that look, seem insignificant, the little things that don't make much sense. Why? Because you're saved, because you want to be spirit-filled, because you made up your mind, I'm sanctified, I'm set apart, and I'm going to submit my life to God. Guess what? Picking up hickory nuts will change the world. Because <laughs> that's the power of God. Amen? You know, old Daniel, he's went on to be with the Lord. And friends, he was working in that old... Um, sawmill mechanic and they had these people in that church the Franks that were pretty wealthy they owned this big old um, business that catered to all the factories and filled up the machines and kept all the stuff like that well I went back up there years later and I went by there to see some of them Franks because I knew them and Daniel was working there doesn't cut his hair wasn't wearing his jeans wasn't riding his Harley you know what even Daniel got sanctified God changes us. Amen. He was still Daniel. And you know what? I was first got saved. Y'all know me. I, I like catching things and killing things. And I had some deer horns. And I had a little Dremel tool. And I was making deer horn necklaces out of deer antlers. And I'd call them the deer old cross. And I was giving them to everybody. I was trying to sell them, I'll be honest. <laughs> but I gave one to Daniel just one day. And that day, it was years later. I forgot all about it. I didn't know where they, he had it on his neck. He said, I'm on my third rope you gave me. He said, I don't wear it. I wear it every day. The cross. Man, you know what? That little thing I gave him that I didn't even remember I did meant something to him. Guys, little things like that is what influences people to go and make a difference for Christ. Your days are numbered. You better use them best you can. You better ask God to give you a heart of wisdom. And guys, what? There's not a life in this room that doesn't have significant ability to impact, influence others for Jesus. Amen? I don't know about you, but it's amazing who God chooses to use. Dennis Aaron, Marvin Cooper, Skeeter. Amen? You know the only thing I can say about Skeeter and Dennis? They're about like me. They're willing. <laughs> but if you get around them, they'll kind of sometimes make you wonder. You know what? 
it doesn't make sense who God uses because God doesn't want it to make sense. He wants people to look at it and say, there ain't no way Dennis could be down here doing that. That's got to be God. There ain't no way Marvin could be doing that. There ain't no way Skeeter could be doing that. You know what? He's got a plan and a purpose for your life, just like everybody else. Will you be saved tonight if you're not saved? If you're not saved, if you've been living a life that's carnal and fleshly, and you've been doing things that grieve the Spirit, that quench the Spirit, tonight all you got to do is confess it and repent, and He'll wash you, and He'll cleanse you, and He'll fill you again, anew and afresh. Amen? And you got to say, Lord, I want to be a Spirit-filled man. I want to be a spirit-filled woman. I'm willing to be sanctified. I'm willing to be set apart. You say, but how do I find out what my specific purpose is? What is my specific will? Just like Brother Dennis's was. You know what the Bible says? Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. You know what? When I first surrendered to preach, I wanted to be an evangelist. Everybody told me I was going to be an evangelist. I didn't want to be a pastor. And when I first started pastoring, I didn't like pastoring. But you know what? God said, here's a church. When I left Tennessee, my plan was to go get a, a degree in seminary, go back up there and preach revivals. I ain't been back to Tennessee yet. But you know what? I love where I'm at today. I love being the pastor of Bethany Baptist Church. I love being here. You know what I found? If you'll just get saved, be a spirit-filled person, declare yourself sanctified and strive for sanctification and submit to God, wherever you're at, He's going to give you the delight of your heart. Because your heart's going to be his heart. Amen? Amen. It's pretty easy. Tonight if you stand or if we get ready, we're going to pray. And I hope that you're saved. If you're not, I'm going to tell you tonight, Jesus loves you. That he died on the cross for you. That if you confess and believe in him and say, Lord, I'm going to turn to you. I'm going to come to you. He will forgive you of your sins and he will save you by his grace. And friends, if you are saved tonight, we've all wasted days. Amen. We've all had seasons where we didn't do right. But friends, you can come home tonight. You can be like that prodigal that came to his senses. You can be in the pig pen and the father's waiting for you. With arms open wide saying, come home, my child. And you can come home. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to do something even better than put a robe on you or a ring on your finger. He's going to fill you with his spirit because his presence is going to make night in your life. And you're going to be set apart for Him. You're going to be His special possession. And friends, guess what? All He asked for it is to just use your life for me. Submit to me. So I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask you to pray with me. Father in heaven, we come tonight thanking you for saving us. If there's anybody here tonight that's not saved, Lord, I pray that as He looks to you tonight, that He would put His hope in the cross of Calvary. That He would confess His sins and put His faith in Jesus. Help him to know how much you love him. That you would come into his life. That you would help him to live for you by helping him, by being that spirit that gives him strength. And Lord, as we come, thank you for sanctifying the church and setting us apart. Help us to walk tonight in submission, Lord. And Father, if there's anyone here tonight who needs to repent, who needs to come tonight, Lord, we thank you for the privilege, for the honor to come to that throne of grace, that, that altar where we find help in our hour of need. And I pray you'll help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. I appreciate y'all. I love y'all. And you know what?